0: Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. I'm going to be reading from Exodus chapter 12, verses 26 through 27. And it says, And when the children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover for he passed over the house of the people of Israel in Egypt When he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses and the people bowed their heads and worshipped And hey, over the next few minutes. I want to speak to you from this idea share the lamb Share the lamb. Come on. Would you join me in prayer? i um, dear king. We love you. We thank you for this moment Lord God that we can speak to you right now and I'm so grateful, Lord, that our words don't just go into the air. Um, they don't go into religion. They don't go into idols. They don't just find their way through the wall and bounce back and forth in this room. But, Father, we believe that you have an attentive ear to our hearts and to our cries, Lord. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus today, Lord, that this message, that it can find its way in our ta- into our hearts. And that we can find a way to share the Lamb. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that it would be your words and not my own, Lord. Till the ground. Plant the seeds. And I pray, Father, after this message, Lord, that those seeds will not be taken up by the birds of the air. By the sun, Lord, may it not scorch up the seeds. Father, I pray that the horns will not choke this seed out. But I pray, Lord, that it will fall on fallow ground, Lord, producing 160, 30 fold in this place, Father. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord God. Amen. And amen. Come on, if you're believing God for a word, would you put your hands together all over this place? Come on. At the beginning of January, we started this teaching called Essentials, and we talked about the four cups that the children of Israel would recite, or the four I wills that they would recite, found in Exodus chapter 6. And I want you to see something, because in Exodus chapter 6, he says, I will bring you out of Egypt. And then he says, I will free you from the Egyptians. I will redeem you, and I will make you my people and what we've done as a church is that we've taken that scripture promises that every single year the children of israel they still recite these promises and you can see these promises all through scripture that are not just for the children of israel but that god actually instituted and put those in us that all through scriptures you can still see these four different promises and we've shaped our church around it the mission of greater church is that we want to reach and empower all people towards a relationship with jesus right that towards a relationship with jesus that mission that vision the way we want to see it accomplished is that we want those four cups in your life knowing that the first cup is the cup of salvation the cup of deliverance cup of restoration and the cup of praise or the cup of fulfillment these four cups are known in our in the world but especially in our church as our kind of vision of what we want to do number one the cup of salvation that's that we want people to know god The cup of deliverance, that's that we want people to find freedom. The cup of redemption is this cup that we want you to discover your purpose. Every person here, we want to take you on a journey where you could discover your purpose. And last but not least, we want you to live in the cup of fulfillment, which is that we want you to make a difference. We want you to go to sleep every single night and be able to say, I did something with my life today that actually benefited somebody. And these four cups to know God, to find freedom, to discover your purpose, and to make a difference we've shaped our systems around it as a church. That's why on Sundays we create a space for individuals to. To come in here for them to encounter God we create a service for people who don't know Jesus to be able to walk in and be able to experience Christ that's why we're very intentional even in the language that we use to be able to make it comfortable for those people that don't know Jesus but at the same place we want to be able to encourage you as a believer we want to fill you up so that when you leave out of here Monday through Saturday you can spill yourself out into our communities we're going to preach messages that not only are going to be engaging to people that don't know Jesus but we're also going to preach Messages to inspire you to get up and do something because that's what this whole thing, the gospel, is all about. But we want people to know God. That's what Sunday mornings are about. We want people to find freedom. The way we encapsulate that or the way we make that happen is that we have our G groups, which they just they just ended. I believe the men's group has one more G group that I think men's this Monday, but our G group season has come to an end. We do it for three months, and then we take one month off to evaluate, to talk as a team, and to add new leaders into this thing. But the way we want to create this, we want you to be able to close the door on your yesterday forever in the fall we're doing something really special that I'm excited about and you'll hear more about it called greater life and greater life is going to take you through 11 weeks where you're going to deal with your junk you're going to close the door on what happened to you when you were a kid you're going to close the door on what happened to you in that relationship because Jesus I believe can free you but here's what happens many of us we come out of Egypt but Egypt doesn't come out of us And we can call on the name of Jesus, but we can still live perverse lives. We can still deal with lust. We can still deal with anger. We can still deal with a lot of different things because God is always going to make sure that your sins are forgiven. But then he's not going to make sure that you don't do it again. The way he does that, John chapter 5 verse 16, confess your sins one to another. It's people in your life that you shall be healed. It's when you confess and when you have conversations, you get real with people, you take off your mask. In those moments, that's where God brings about this accountability, When now it's not that I'm not struggling with pornography, it's that I'm not doing pornography because I got people in my life that are holding me accountable. And that's what these small groups, we want you to find freedom. Not only do we want you to find freedom, but we want you to discover your purpose because 84% of the church stays right there. Well, God's just working on me. I'm to, my name's is written in the land. I'm a sinner saved by grace, and we stay stuck in that place. And if you ask the church, especially today, yo, what's your purpose? What were you created for? Eighty-four percent of the church says I, I don't, I don't know. And do you know that you do have a purpose, and that God wants to reveal that purpose? Your design is always going to dis, to explain and to show to you what your destiny is. Number one, you got to learn who you are. But once you do, you know that all of us, we have a purpose. And the way we help with that is that we have our growth track. And hopefully today, for some of us who are here, if you got a little bit of time after service today, we're going to do our final growth track one day. So for about an hour and some change, we're going to sit here and we're going to explain to you what growth track is. We're going to talk to you about what the church is. What is my vision, my wife's vision for this church? Where are we going with this church? We're also going to take some time to talk to you about yourself. What are the some characteristics or some different things that believers you need to be living out? And then last but not least, we're going to take what is a spiritual gifts test. So it's kind of an equivalent to like a Myers-Briggs or well, you're going to learn what are the things that God put inside of you? What is your design? What are the gifts that God has put in you? And when you learn these things, then you'll be able to say, now I know what to do with the gifts and the talents, with the purpose that God has put in my hand. So today after service, we would love for you to stick around because that second, that part of Cup of the way we do that here is through growth track and last but not least we have our teams and that's the way that we make a difference not only teams that serve on a sunday morning which is all of our guys who are outside aiming, and the people who are setting up outside our host team which is here our, our, our welcome team with lukey and the rest of the team that welcomes you when you come in through the door we got our live team in the back come on y'all make some for the live team they only, get, they only get noticed when they do something wrong, but I'm going to notice y'all when y'all do something right. We got our worship team. This Sunday, next Sunday, we're starting our G-Kids, and that's a team that we're really excited about. And then we have our A-team, which is our administrative team that helps us to be able to look at data correctly and make correct decisions. And we're excited because all of these teams kind of come together and they actually make something happen. Our greater at home team, which I know Don and Isaac right now, they're chatting with you. All of our friends who are watching online and they're saying hello, say hello to them just so they can see that I'm not lying. Just say hi, just throw a little wave. They're right now chatting with you real time. This isn't like something that's happening pre-recorded, but this greater at home team is another one and then we also have with all of these teams we're excited i'm going to talk about one more team at the end of the service here because i'm really excited about something i want to share with you but yo all of these teams are the way that we make a difference we're going to go out into the community we're going to make a difference our youth team is going to start asap and we're going to actually begin services here's what happens though here's what happens that fourth cup of making a difference You might say, yo, I I like that. I want to be part of the youth. Like youth have always been in my heart. Or or like, yo, I know how to do a camera. Or I know how to sing. Or I know how to play an instrument. Yo, stay behind service today. We're going to talk through it in growth track, And we would love to be able to give you an opportunity for you to be able to come and join one of those teams. But what I want you to understand is that those four cups, those four promises are still prevalent today. That's why our mission is to throw you into this spiritual journey where you walk through it, where you get out of your old person. Where you actually get the old person out of you, where you get redeemed and you get restored. This is who you. This is what God has put in my heart since the day I was born. Jeremiah one five says, "Before I formed you, I knew you. Like I put these gifts, I interwove them, them inside of you. We want you to discover those things, and then we want you to actually use those things. I want you to understand something. We don't use church." We don't use people to build the church. We use the church to build people. Our responsibility, our desire is to put you on this journey. Now, Chino, I understand that. You talked about that for four weeks at the beginning of the year. And I've been seeing you kind of interweaving it through all of your messages. Even when you talked about sex, talking about these four cups. Chino, what does that have to do with Jesus? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Yesterday started the Passover. And traditionally, this Sunday would be known as Palm Sunday. Or the day before Jesus would go to the cross on Thursday would be Palm Sunday. But yesterday started Passover. And here's what I want you to see because Jesus and passover have a very strong correlation as a matter of fact these four promises every single passover even until yesterday and the week of passover they would repeat these four promises i will bring you out of egypt i will free you from the egyptians i will redeem you and i will make you my people they still talk about these four promises even till today and when we look at Scripture. And we, I want to tie these things together for you. And I want you to see how Jesus is actually in the midst of the Passover. And yo, not to insult your intelligence because I know for some of us, we've been coming to church for a while. We know what church is and we know the story of Passover. But maybe there's some people in here that don't know. Or maybe somebody who's watching online and you don't know. Obviously, God comes to Abraham in the book of Genesis, chapter 12 to 15. You kind of see it in there he gives them a promise and he starts developing this promise out of it he says i'm going to give you land but not only am i going to give you land but i'm also going to give you a people and you will be a blessed people more star more people than the stars in the sky and he gives us this promise that i'm going to give you a future land and you see after him the abraham isaac his son is born and then a jacob his other son his third son is born and out of jacob he has 12 different children and out of those 12 different children 11 of them conspire against one of them and they throw him into a pit from the pit he ends up going to Potiphar's house from Potiphar's house he ends up in prison and then from prison he gets right back into the palace second in command because there is a worldwide famine that is happening in Egypt and if you haven't seen this story we talked about it and we preached about it for four, I think it was four or five weeks in sweaters jumpsuits I'm sorry uh, coat sweaters and some, and jumpsuits which is a, 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 a message series that you can watch on YouTube but we took some time to explain joseph's story but joseph rescues the children of israel when he rescues the children of israel all of a sudden these guys are in egypt they got a special portion of the land they develop so much that they turn into four million people The Pharaoh gets kind of obviously he gets kind of insecure and he says yo look at all of these people the children of Israel They're becoming too much in number and he starts to bind them and he starts to give them a heavy workload And he starts to tell them I need you to make these big constructions Most of what you see here today was made by the children of Israel these pyramids that you see in Egypt This was the workforce called Israel. These guys built all of these things God says I'm gonna rescue them and he raises up a man who in the midst of this, Pharaoh says, I'm looking at 4 million people. Those 4 million people are going to take over Egypt. I need to stop them. And he tells the midwives, the women who would, have, uh, who would help the women have babies, I want you to kill every single male child that is born. And the midwives say, we don't want to kill the children. And they don't kill them. So then what the Pharaoh does is that he sends his actual armored guard into the children's houses. And he says, I want you to kill every child from two and under. And I want you to kill every male child from two and under. In this, Moses, his family throws him into the river in a basket saying, I don't want want you to die. God take care of him. He ends up in the banks of the Pharaoh's daughter in the Pharaoh's house. She takes him as his own child. Here it is that Moses is being raised. He doesn't know that he's an Israelite up until some moments in scripture where he actually kills somebody because he realizes that their people, his people are getting hurt and they're getting treated as slaves. He disappears to the backside of the mountain in Midian. When he goes over there, he's leaving or living a defeated life. Like, yo, Moses is not doing anything that he was created for, no purpose, nothing. And the Bible says, that one day he's up in the mountain and he's with his sheep and he's shearing them. he's 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 making sure that they're okay he's feeding them he's having fun with them and all of a sudden there's a burning bush that is not consumed and a voice comes out of that yo you don't even need to smoke weed bro just read the bible just read the bible like y'all promise you it's like the weirdest it's just a burning bush it's just burning and consuming moses yo i see that bush and it talks to me and i'm gonna run that's why i'm not in the bible i'm gonna run i'm not sitting here and watch a burning but i'm gone the bible says that moses gets into a discourse at that moment god gives him a promises i'm gonna bring the children of israel out chapter later sometime later we get these four promises in exodus chapter six Well, god says i'm going to free them I'm going to get them out of Egypt, I'm going to get Egypt out of them, I'm going to redeem them, I'm going to put them back to what original purpose I had for them, and then I'm going to make them my people, I'm going to take it away from them, I'm going to put them together as a people, and they're actually going to do every promise that you said, Moses says, heck no, Moses actually says, heck no, he says, I don't even know how to talk, how are you going to use me, and God says, Don't worry about it. Let Aaron be your mouthpiece. It's funny how God is always going to use the least likely individuals to do the biggest works. And for some of us, we're, I don't know what to do. And we put that in front of God. "I, I, 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 I can't preach. I can't sing. I can't serve. I can't lead anything. Yo, God is the best at making you do the impossible. Hopefully last week you noticed that. That he's always going to ask you to do the things that you can't do. Moses, the Bible says, he goes to the Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. Y'all remember that? For some of us. He gives them 10 different plagues because he doesn't want to let them go. Nine of them. At the 10th plague, God says to them, I'm going to kill every single Egyptian child, every single firstborn male. And what I'm going to do is that if you have the blood of a lamb on the doorpost, if you put it on the doorpost, you smear the blood on the doorpost I'm going to pass over and I'm not going to kill the children that are inside of that house because God was giving them over and over chance after chance for them to repent and let the children of Israel go and Pharaoh kept saying I'm not gonna let them go I don't care if you bring darkness if you bring locusts I don't care if you put water blood in the water I don't care what you do I'm not gonna let them go and God said this is your last opportunity and unfortunately Pharaoh decided he wasn't going to do it, and we've seen the movie where the, the smoke kind of goes through it, and all of a sudden, and the children of Israel are spared, and Pharaoh finally says, I'm going to let you go, and remember, he, they kind of go through, through, the, through the desert, and they get up to the Red Sea, and at the Red Sea, the Bible says they could have been a, made a left, but in, just so that they won't get in a fight and get discouraged and end up going back to Egypt, he says, I'm gonna open up the Red Sea. They walk through dry land, they get on the other side, and then God gives them laws. Now, I want you to understand, it was little to do with laws and rules as much as it was a way of life for them. He was trying to explain to them, you've been slaves for so long that now not only did I bring you out of Egypt, remember, now I'm gonna bring Egypt out of you. I wanna teach you how to live correctly. And in these laws, He gave them seven different feasts. In those seven different feasts, you would take a week where nobody would work, nobody would do anything of labor, they would just hang out, they would eat too much. They would celebrate together. And one of those seven feasts was the feast of Passover. And in Passover, what they would do is that they would have a time where everybody's celebrating and everybody's laughing. And they'd be eating and drinking and talking with their friends. And then they would take a time where they would sit down and they would have four cups. And in those four cups, they would tell this, uh, this Passover story about how God freed them from the land of Egypt. And they would read these four I wills found in Exodus chapter 6 verses six and seven, and as they sat there and they talked about it, if you look at that, I want you to think to yourself, I get it, Chino, but what does all that have to do with Jesus? I want to show you, because that Passover is the equivalent to what we call the 4th of July for the children of Israel. If you're an American citizen, and you, you know what 4th of july it's our independence day this would be the very same thing that the children of israel or what passover would be significant to them and i want to pick up the story where we read at the beginning and this is what they would do when they would get together in the passover and when your children say to you what do you mean by this service or by this passover you shall say it is a sacrifice of the lord's passover for he passed over the house of the people of israel in egypt when he struck the egyptians but spared our houses and the people bowed their head and began to worship they would sit down and they would eat the lamb and they would drink the four cups 1400 years later we pick up this story in luke chapter 22 verse 15 it's a thursday night right before jesus is about to go to the cross right before he's about to get get murdered listen to what the bible says in luke chapter 22 verse 15 to 20 and he said to them i have earnestly desired to eat the passover with you before i suffer For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, This is, and divided it among yourselves. Take this, and divide it among yourself. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you this remembrance of me and likewise the cup after they had eaten saying this cup is poured out out of you this cup is poured out for you in the new covenant in and it is the new covenant in my blood basically what jesus was saying in that final verse is that i am the last lamb i am the last passover lamb no longer will you have to kill lambs and put the blood on the doorpost i will be the lamb that is going to be killed before there was an llj there was the last lamb cool jesus christ jesus so corny so corny the passover was about remembering what god did for israel communion is all about remembering what god did for you it's all about remembering jesus Why is that? Because you cannot. There is no way that you can have the Passover. There's no way that you can have the four promises. There's no way that you can have any of those things without Jesus. Like Jesus is the one that ties all of these things together. Yo, that's a big stretch, Chino, that you're telling me that the Passover lamb, when they put the blood on the thing, that that was all about Jesus. Like, yo, it's pretty hard for you to tie those two things together. Well, I'm glad that the Bible is written and 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, which is on the screens. It says, for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. If it wasn't for Jesus, we can't tie none of these things out. You can't have freedom without Jesus. You can't have salvation without Jesus. You can't have redemption without Jesus. You can't have fulfillment without Jesus. Without Jesus, you can't have any of these things because Jesus is the spotless lamb, the lamb. I'm going to land this thing by by talking to you about, about the lamb. Do you know that the lamb is one of the most It's probably the biggest reference to Jesus all through scripture. 104 different times the Bible calls Jesus the lamb. 25% of that is found in Revelation, but over 104 times the Bible calls Jesus the lamb. John the Bible says when he was baptizing people he sees people from afar off and he sees Jesus coming and he he says behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of this earth of this world not the lamb of God that covers or atonement that once a year they would have this sacrifice which was another feast of the feast of atonement where they would cover their sin they would have animal sacrifices but then after a day or two sin would rear its ugly head again because they would commit another sin and they would have to go back and then they would have to do a sacrifice and it was this back and forth john sees them and he says no longer will you offer sacrifice behold the lamb of god that takes away the sins of the world that's the first reference that we see but The beautiful part about it is that Jesus continues in this term of being a lamb. It's so vital to who we are. I want to give you real quick. I want to show you three different ways that Jesus is the lamb. And three different things about the Passover lamb that are true about Jesus. And for you to understand the Passover lamb, you got to go back to the old text. And I want you to write these things down. Number one, three things about the lamb. Number one is that the lamb had to be perfect. The lamb had to be perfect. I want to show you this exodus chapter 12 verse 5 it says your lamb shall be without blemish a male a year old you may take it from the sheep or from the goats the lamb had to be perfect i want to tie a cool story for you on thursday which would be on palm sunday jesus has this triumphal entry he goes into the land and he has all these palm branches that are kind of thrown all in front of him and people put their clothes and they yell hosanna hosanna oh they celebrate him it's so exciting everybody's like, oh my god this is the greatest thing ever and then a, a couple of hours later they're screaming crucify him but what happens is that jesus goes through all that and he doesn't get gassed by it he says oh my god this is the greatest thing i am <laughs> hosanna unto me no no the bible says that from that very moment he goes to church and when he goes to church the bible says remember that he gets mad and he starts flipping up the tables And you got to ask yourself, like, yo, why was he flipping the tables? Here's why. Because during the Passover season, you had to bring this spotless lamb that the Bible says in Exodus chapter 12 or 5. It has to be a lamb without blemish. They would bring this lamb, and what would happen is pastors, the priests of the time that were at the church, they would be sitting there, and people would bring these spotless lambs, and the pastors would be like, "Mm, nah, that one has a blemish in it. It's like, yo, it doesn't have no blemish. Yep, you can't sacrifice that one. I'm sorry. What do I do? What? I got a lamb I can sell you if you want. I got one in the back. I, I ain't got too many left, so you got to make a decision right now. And they would steal the money from people. And Jesus was noticing this and, t- and then giving them a lamb. And Jesus noticed this. He walked in and he watched this money changing and this extortion that was happening. And he flips the table over. I don't want to tie that to COVID. But I'm I'm surprised. <laughs> That God didn't start flipping the tables in the church a little bit earlier than COVID. Because for a long time, we've been (laughs) extorting people. And sometimes it's not just money. It's using people for your own vision and for your own dreams. That's why as a church, we've taken a step back from Chino and Lydia's vision. From the different pastors that are in the church, we've taken a step back from our vision. And we want our vision to come from scripture. That way, when we're kicking you square in the rear end and we're telling you to go forward, we know that it's Jesus the one that said it. You're not building my kingdom. You're building the kingdom of Jesus. Because we've seen it hurt for too long. We've seen the church do this stuff. The Bible says that Jesus is this spotless lamb. Here's what happens. There's no way that if I take something dirty, If I grab a dirty rag, I can't clean it with something dirty. I have to come with something that is clean to be able to clean something that is dirty. And that's who Jesus is. Jesus is the spotless lamb in our own life. Jesus is the one that had no sin. Jesus is the one that never, he was tempted, but yet he never sinned. He could be the only one that cleans us. He is the Passover lamb. He is the spotless lamb that was sacrificed for our sins. I want to show you something. In 1 Peter chapter chapter 1 verse 8, it says... Knowing that you were ransomed from your futile ways inherited from your forefathers not with perishable things such as silver or gold But with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot Jesus the perfect lamb Jesus the one that didn't have one single spot You want to know about these four cups and these four promises in the Passover how they have to do with Jesus Is that without Jesus, we don't have any of those things. Number one, the lamb had to be perfect. Number two, the lamb had to be sacrificed. And that's a cute word. I want you to read something. Exodus chapter 12, verse 6. It says, take care of them, talking about the lambs, until the 14th day of the month. When all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. Talking about Jesus. In correlation with this the lamb that had to be slaughtered he had to be murdered they would take this lamb out and they would cut it up and they would offer it up it would bleed out and it would die showing this picture in jesus isaiah quotes isaiah says but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that brought us peace was on him he got punishment and we got peace and by his wounds We are healed. Jesus was pierced. He was crushed. He was punished. And he was wounded. Good Friday, which wasn't good for Jesus, was uh, one of the darkest moments that we had in history. And I want you to see, because I'd be remiss to just preach to you a beautiful message in the Lamb and not explain to you how the Lamb was slaughtered. How the Lamb, Jesus, how he was pierced for us. How he was broken. He was punished. He was wounded. For you and for I, that this idea that Isaiah so beautifully pictures was probably the worst time in history. The The Roman guards at this time, this is the worst time in history for capital punishment or to kill somebody because of a crime. Um, today in age in the United States of America, you may get a lethal injection. 2013, I think we stopped in Tennessee Um, we stopped having the electric chair, but I remember as a kid coming up and you would hear about people getting the electric chair where they would get on a chair and they would get fried. As you look at kind of the, the, the global landscape, you can see everything from people being beheaded, stoned, firing squads. There are still these moments all throughout our world where people are still receiving capital punishment, and sometimes it's even worse than that. There's dismemberment, there's so many different things that happen in our world, but this particular moment made all of those pale in comparison because the Roman guard were trained. They studied this. People would go just to learn how to es- execute you. They took Jesus and they beat him up at the Garden of, uh, uh, of Gethsemane. And we remember, and then they take him to this whipping post. And when he gets to the whipping post, I want you to understand, don't look at my butt. I want you to understand, there is a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a post and Jesus's hands were around this post and They were whipping him. So there's there's no way for you to do anything He's just there now I want you to understand that this whipping as cute as you may sound and I made it seem what cow This whipping was actually a wooden handle that on this wooden handle It had nine different cords that were made from leather that were thick on the edge of these cords there was glass There was bone, there was little pieces of metal on the edge of this. And what they would do is that they didn't just grab it and just kind of like whip him. They would grab with both hands. And before they ever whipped him, they would put it inside of a bucket of water to make sure that those things were good and heavy. And they would grab with both hands and they studied this. What they would do was they would swing and grab it, make sure that it was on, and then they would rip down. And what they were trying to do is the trapezius muscle, which is your muscle that connects your neck to your actual shoulders. They would try to get that as much as they can to try to rip that and remove that thing or rip that muscle so that it wouldn't be together. The ligament would be completely ripped. And then once they were able to take both of your trapezius muscles out, then they would begin to do the work on your spine. To expose your spine. So they would come back and they would hit it, sever and then they would rip down and create and expose the spine. I'll explain to you why they would expose the spine. Jesus went, this right here was where most people died. They were never to give you 40 lashes. They could only give you 39 because it was inhumane. To give you 40 lashes was inhumane. So they would only do 39. And he's 39 lashes. Jesus took every single one of us. When people sit here and say that Christianity is a crutch and that we're just a bunch of weak people that are weak minded and we don't know what we're doing. And we just have this escape and this crutch called Christianity. They must not know about the story of Jesus. My Jesus is strong. My Jesus took a big beating for them and never in history have there ever been something where he did it for somebody else. Everybody who took these beatings would take it because they did something. But yet, Jesus never did anything. He took it because it was me and you that he was thinking about. You're talking about strong. You're talking about being pulled out of the whipping post and taken into the praetorium. And in the praetorium, which was the Roman guards, it was their locker room. He gets punched and kicked and spit in. They take thorns that were about four inches long. And they make this crown of thorns and they push it onto his head here it is that he has it pushed into his head you would think that it would cause for your blood to leak out if you had this thorn this crown of thorns it was the opposite instead of the blood leaking out the blood would actually rush to the center of your head and you would have the migraine of all migraines you would sit there could you imagine the pain and excruciating moments that jesus had and the bible says that he never uttered a word he never uttered a word it is the blood is rushing to his head they take them from there and they take them up to the cross and on a on a good Friday they take three nails that were what we would think of as railroad spikes and they would put these nails into his hands or wrist. and and then if it was there it would rip no matter if it was the hand or the wrist it would rip so what they do is that they would tie it now I want you to see something they would tie these things on both sides and then when he was at the whipping post, I forgot to add, when he was getting whipped, they actually would take these thin rods, that were super strong, and they would hit Jesus across the back of his thigh and on his calf, in which is probably your two most sensitive places, and they would hit him with those rods. And in the praetorium, they would hit him again with those rods. And here it is, that Jesus is on his cross, he's tied up, and then one foot in front of the other, pretty much on one foot, and then they would put him with a little bit of a bend, now, the reason why they put him with a bend, I want you to see it in just a second. They hanged them here. And what would happen is because of the trapezius muscles that were taken off, his shoulders came out of socket. They would allow for your shoulders to come out of socket. And the moment that your shoulders would come out of socket, you would dip down and your lungs would collapse where it was making it super hard for you to breathe. Now, your legs are on fire because you got beat in your legs. You're sitting there. And what they would do is that they would try to come up and the the desire or the hope would be that as your lungs were there and you couldn't breathe, you would grab these nails that you had on your hand and your legs that you couldn't even feel anymore. And you would just come up. (gasps) And then you would come back down and sweep and your lungs would collapse again. Jesus did that for six hours, six hours of his lungs just being contracted and not being able to breathe and then pushing back up, taking a breath and going back down. The whole time his spine is exposed against the splinters of that wood and it's just going up and down, up and down to the point where people won't make that that long. Six hours into it, the Bible says that Jesus said it is finished. He gives up his ghost, beaten bruised marred and the bible says that the men came the roman guard because it was passover they wanted to go celebrate with their family passover when the lamb was being slaughtered they would grab a rod and they would try to break your legs so that you couldn't come back up for a breath but jesus didn't have to come up for a breath because he was already dead and he was slumped down and just to make sure they grabbed a spear and they put it up under his ribcage and then they punctured his heart And out of the heart, out of the spear, began to come out water and blood. And for some of us doctors who are in the building, they would understand it. For there to be water around your heart, it means that your heart actually ruptured. So that sack would be created in water. So if blood and water came out of it, then it would mean, in all sense of the word, that Jesus died from a broken heart. That his heart had exploded. This is the picture of slaughtering the lamb. This is why I'm giving my entire life To this, Because if there is a God that would do that for a broken gang member that didn't deserve one little bit of it and he would die, receive crown of thorns, receive beatings, get up on a cross and think of me the entire time because I said it time and time again, Jesus didn't just die for you, he died as you. It should have been me on that cross, I should have had my hands pierced, I should have been the one that died of asphyxiation, but because of every bit of his piercing, of his punishment, of his bruising, of his... In him dying, I got life. In him dying, you got life. The lamb was slaughtered so that you can live. The lamb of Christ was slaughtered so that you can have life. This blood that he shed was for you every single ounce. The Bible says that for the hope said before him. Yo, tell me in any of that that I just explained to you, where do you find the hope? Where do you find the hope? For the, for the hope, that was for the joy where do you find the joy in getting your back ripped open? Where do you find the joy in getting the back of your legs here? Where do you find the joy in the nails or, or in having to, for six hours, come up for a breath? Where do you find that joy? He says, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. The joy was you. The joy was me. He was looking at us thousands of years later. And he was thinking, if I go through this, they won't have to. Come on, we can make some noise for Jesus in there. If you don't make some noise, I'm going to make some noise myself. The Bible says at 3 p.m. that he, he shed his last and that he died. The lamb had to be perfect. The lamb was perfect, and, then, and the lamb had to be slaughtered. The lamb was slaughtered in all sense of the imagination. And then he told them, the third part of the, of the equation, number three, the lamb was to be shared. Number three, I want you to write this down. The lamb was to be shared. I want you to show, see this. I want to show you this. In Exodus chapter 12 verse 4, it says, if any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with each, with what each person will eat. Here's what would happen. When you would have the Passover lamb, you couldn't eat anything left over. There couldn't be no leftovers. Lydia cooks and I'm excited about leftovers. Because they're always so much better the next day. But with the lamb, you couldn't have any leftovers. So what you would do is if you had a lamb, then I got to call my friends and I got to invite them over. And I got to say, yo, I got, I got way too much lamb. I'm not, me, me and the kids are not going to be able to eat this thing. Like, I need people to come over. So Emily, Alex, I need y'all to come over. Raul, come on over. I need you guys to come over. Y'all, we're going to do just a big old party. And we're going to eat the lamb together. Let's just, let's just do it. And, and, and I'm going to try to set up some of the single young adults together. And create a parent trap. And get, rid- <laughs> and get some, of, some of the single people and, and, and put them together. Because we're going to eat this lamb together. Because you can't. You can't leave any left over. You have to share the lamb. If any household is too small for the whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbors. Why are we starting a Spanish ministry? Because there's more lamb to be shared. Why are we helping people in another country, in another continent, in the Philippines why are we helping them buying them a vehicle because they're gonna go from school to school preaching the name of Jesus because there's more lamb to be shared why are we starting a youth ministry just let them come on Sundays like let them they need to hear all about that Jesus died and they need to hear about sex yeah I get it all of that is great but there's so much more lamb to be shared in Cobb County there's so much more lamb to be shared lamb to be shared in Cherokee County there's schools all over the place that we have to share the lamb there's so many communities that are, they don't have the lamb. And We're always going to create more space. We want more campuses. We want more chairs. And We want more buildings because we want to share the lamb. How does that fit me? That fits you here. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 19. It says that God was reconciling in Jesus, that God was reconciling the word to himself, the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them, he has committed to who? He has committed to who? The message of reconciliation. He has told us that the kingdom of God was severed because Adam and Eve, and they was always this like, for you to come back to God, there had to be a sacrifice and then they would sin and it would get severed again. And here comes Jesus. Jesus is the one that actually restores the relationship and now we don't have a gap. We actually have union with Christ. The Bible says that we can boldly come before the throne of grace that we have now access to the with Jesus the one word that you always heard Jesus the same as John the Baptist repent for the kingdom of God is at hand there has been a disconnect because of sin but because of the blood of Jesus we are now connected back the kingdom of God is available a relationship with Jesus freedom restoration fulfillment is found in Jesus but people don't know that people still think that is going to bring that to them people still believe that a horoscope sign is going to bring that to them people still believe that if they give certain money amounts to a church that that's going to bring that to them People still believe that they show up on Sunday and they do all the raising their hands and they go home and live like hell. That that's going to save them just because of the fact that they came here. People still don't understand that there's a relationship that goes way deeper than the works that you do. But it was the blood that was shed that creates the kingdom and allows for us to have a relationship with Jesus. But it's our job to tell them. We got to share the lamb. Scripture telling us that it was unto us that the message of reconciliation was given. Next Sunday, we've been working hard as a team, (laughs) and we've been talking. And I've been driving me and Alfonso crazy, (laughs) and all the other teams and the directors and Whitney and everybody else. I've been driving y'all crazy because next Sunday we're preparing a banquet, and we're setting stuff up. And we're getting enough people at the door with Luki to welcome people and come sit at the banquet. And we're bringing out more chairs. And we're putting out way more times online for people to be able to eat the lamb. We're doing this because we got to share the lamb. All of these things are not just because we want to make a bigger church. Yo, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Like, yo, if I'm honest with you, like <laughs> people need Jesus more now than ever. People are starving for Jesus. And here it is that we can, we can share the lamb. Y'all say, Chino, how do we share the lamb? that was horrible y'all say Chino how do we share the lamb I want to give you three ways and we're out of here number one pray number one pray 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 says the God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displayed the glory of Christ who is the image of God I remember and for those of you you know my story Um, I came from a very rough background as a young person and I remember that I would go to jail as a teenager because of different dumb things that I would do and I remember that these these individuals would always come and they would preach Jesus in jail and They would always talk about Jesus and I heard it But I never saw it and it was crazy because I was 19 years old when I finally got to a space that I said. God, I need you to change my life. 19 years old, change my life. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I don't even know who you are, but I just need you to change me. And I remember that that day I went to a Bible study. And in that Bible study, they preached Jesus. And it wasn't that I hadn't heard Jesus ever before. I just hadn't seen Jesus before. Your prayer according to 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 It says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So it's not that they can't hear it It's that they can't see it So there's something behind my, my, my iPad or my Bible There's something behind it and you can't see it It's until the God of this age that has blinded the minds And we're going to pray God re- remove that blindness So that they can see Jesus so, yo, here we go. We have an opportunity to start praying for people even now. God, bind, remove that binding from them. John chapter 6, verse 44, it says that God the Father, that he would draw them. No man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him to me. We could pray God not only loosen their minds, but Father, bring them to you. Like, draw them unto you. Please understand, the worship team is not going to bring people to Jesus. My preaching is not going to bring people to Jesus. The way we set up our our chairs or the amazing ministry that we have in our G kids that's going to start next week. That's not going to bring people to Jesus. The Bible says no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them. Would you pray that God would draw people to them? Would you pray that God would loosen the spirit of adoption? Because there are so many, even in the church, like never have we ever been so fatherless. Who's a church father? Where's our Billy Graham? Where's our Paul? Where's our Peter in the church? Yo, it's crazy. And there are so many people right now that are feeling so bound that they have a spirit that they're like, yo, I don't even know God. Like, I don't have anybody to father me. And we got to pray that God would loose the spirit of adoption. Listen to this. Romans chapter 8 verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption to whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Would you pray that men and women would walk into this place and say, Abba, Father? Would you pray that they would have a positive encounter with a believer? Roman and Matthew chapter 9, verse 38, it says, therefore, pray the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Yo, I'm preaching my guts out because I want you to be laborers this week. I want you to go out into the harvest. And last, it says, I want you to pray. To loose the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of glory. May give to you the spirit of wisdom. And revelation in the knowledge of him. That they would walk through these doors. And not only will they see Jesus. But would they. Will they see themselves on the cross. Understanding that they should have been there. I pray that they would receive revelation. If you pray these five things. I believe God's going to move. But you can't just pray and just stay there two. Number one, I want you to pray. Number two, yo, next week I want you to invite. There's about 20% of people on a regular basis that will come to church if you invite them. It's weird because of social distancing and all of that stuff now, but there's about 20% of people outside of a big Sunday that will come to church. That number jumps up to 90s, 90% in the lower 90% on Easter and on Christmas. That you invite somebody, they will actually go. How do you invite somebody? You don't invite somebody by saying, hey, Jason, come to church with me. I mean, I'm sorry, go to church. Here's my here's my my church address and giving them a flyer. The way that you invite somebody is that you say, hey, Jason, I'm going on Sunday at 1130 a.m. Would you come with me? Yes. If I got a pick, thank you. You're so amazing. You're part of the 90%. 90. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Sit with me. Like a co-worker. Sometimes that's a family member and you've been telling them to come to church And you might be able to just tell them. Hey, I want you to come to church. I just sit with me Like i'm going there. Would you come with me? Maybe there's a friend for some of y'all Maybe there's more than one person that you could say come sit with me But I think it's important that you ask them to come listen to this romans chapter 10 and i'm wrapping up Anyone who calls upon the name of the lord will be saved i'm gonna read that again And it's gonna come up on the screens here romans chapter 10 verse 13 It says and anyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved But how shall they ask him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? This is our job. This is, we have the ministry of reconciliation. This is our job. And last but not least, like I want you to pray. I want you to invite people. We got some cards and we're making it super easy. Before you leave on the seat in front of you, there is a card. I would love for you to give it to somebody and say, hey, I want you to come with me to church. If you're watching online, I would love for you to give the link to somebody. Greater, Easter, at greater. Church, uh, Easter at greater.com and send it to somebody and tell them, hey, would you watch with me at 7 a.m.? some of our early risers hey would you watch the service with me at 9 a.m hey would you watch the service at 3 p.m for some of our millennials that don't wake up till after 12 pray invite and number three I want you to engage revelation chapter 5 verse 12 says and they sang in a mighty chorus worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing together in concert. Yo, if you sing on a Sunday morning and you hallelujah or you do the frisbee worship, yo, go full on out. Do the Pentecostal, just to wave that junk. Just holly, just sing. On Sunday, I want you to just go overboard. Like I just want you to go overboard. Don't, don't do the don't don't do the worried, I don't know what to do worship. Just don't don't do the here. Like Yo, I'm telling you just engaged, not only engaged, but on that Sunday, we're going to put on every seat one of our connect cards. And I would love for everybody here to fill out the connect card along with the connect card. We're actually going to ask some questions and I want everybody in the room on that day to fill this stuff out. Why do I want to do that? Why am I being so strategic? Like, Chino, why are you like you're explaining everything so carefully? Why are you telling us to pray? Why are you telling us to invite people? Why are you telling us to engage? Because we got to share the lamb. I believe that there is a harvest that comes from sharing the Lamb. Yesterday, we talked about it last Sunday. Yesterday, we were able to go with Mimi and her team um, at the Atlanta Dream Center Frontline Ministries um, Frontline Response to go do a, an Adopt Block, and man, we were. Give me the name of the apartment building. Forest, Forest Cove, Forest Cove in what she said and we were able to go into the apartment building and in just a second you'll see some pictures and man it was beautiful to watch as mimi kind of set up this thing and we had people that came from out of town from out of state and they were there with us and they were having fun and i want you to see this is what it looked like this is what it looked like before so kind of this is what we were in the apartment buildings if you look at these apartment buildings there are still people living inside those apartment buildings there are still people living inside of that and you'll see it in just a second but we were able to get instructions. Mimi and her team was able to tell us what we were going to do. And some of us were picking up garbage while others of us were going. And we were going from door to door. And we were knocking and we were telling them, hey, we got these gifts that we want to give you. Go back to that other picture. That other picture is my favorite. It looks like I'm actually doing something. These are, go, no, the other picture. That's Jordan, who is amazing. They, one, one more forward. And, a, and an up forward, like in front. No, that's backwards. So, and then the one before that one. Number five, maybe I think number five, the one after that one, that one right there. So, so a lot of the kids, their parents would be still sleeping because it was about eleven o'clock at night, and we would knock on the doors. Eleven o'clock in the morning, sorry. We would knock on the doors and we would say Atlanta Dream, uh, um, adopt the block um metro kids we got gifts and we got different things that we're gonna get and you see these kids kind of flooding and they would walk out and you would have conversations the parents would still be sleeping parents would give them a green light and these kids would walk all the way to the front and then you can go to the next picture and then mimi and her team were praying for people and we would we would ask them obviously we invite them and then we ask them hey is there anything we can pray for and then we can leave it right there and once we prayed for them we invited them to come to the front where the playground was and when we would go to the front to the playground we would sit down with them and Mimi you could go back go back to the picture don't don't do, there you go right we would go to this right here this right here is a picture and she does this every single Saturday every single Saturday she sat there and preached a gospel message she gave them the Easter story sat them all around and one of the most beautiful things that I saw children who man they're under resourced they don't have everything it was pretty tough to see the things that we saw. I feel like it was probably every single one of those kids lifted up their hands to give their life to Jesus. And she led them in a prayer where they all prayed and they all gave their life to Jesus. And I mean, it was just beautiful. Show the next one right now. This is what it looked like afterwards an apartment complex that's usually just quiet. Everybody was playing football, we were playing games, we were laughing, we were giving out groceries, we were doing all type of stuff, and in greater team fashion, everybody was there, and we all cleaned up and picked up afterwards. But a lot of them would never see that. You can leave it right there. I like that picture. That's my favorite picture. I walked from one side to the other side looking at what was happening. And on one side, I found this bullet casing and I remember that I told Fonzo I was like Fonzo look and he was like what kind is it we were like talking about it and I took a picture of it and then probably 10-15 minutes later after going to different houses I found another bullet casing and I just started noticing I was like yo these things are all over the place and I just randomly said let me look down and when I looked down I found another bullet casing I probably could have brought y'all a lot more than these cuz I believe there was another one that y'all had it there was hundreds of them all over the place and I started looking at these bullet casings and I started thinking about man the life that I used to live but I started to think about the life that these people are living now they're no different than us we're not better than them because we got a house We're not better than them because we got food or we got nice clothes or we got shoes. We're still the human race. They are me and you are them and they are us. But as I started to watch these things and I started to look at the hurt that was there. And a 20-something-year-old mother, couldn't have been 25 years old, Mimi, that has six kids and is trying to figure it out on her own. And as I saw Mimi knocking on people's houses at 11 o'clock in the morning, in the morning, talking about, Cindy, come outside. It's Mimi. And then I seen people coming up to her and hugging her and like saying, oh, my God, you're here because she shares the lamb. It's not an Easter thing. It's an everyday thing. That every day we're called to share the lamb. I don't know what these represent but I know what you represent I don't know how many people lost their life because of these things but I know how many people will gain life because of you it's us sharing the lamb that will help people move on the journey forward hey I'm hoping at some point today that you feel the call on your life to understand I got Jesus I love him But now it's my turn to share the lamb. I got brought out of Egypt. God's bringing Egypt out of me. I've been redeemed. I know where I'm at. I'm making a difference. Now it's my turn to go out there and live and share the lamb. I hope that you guys would feel that. I hope that you out of here and if you got to go back and listen to the message or hopefully you took some notes that you would write and that you would pray for people that you would grab a flyer that you would invite somebody and that you would engage on Sunday I hope to God that you would take this and understand that the Passover lamb Jesus needs to be shared but I'd be remiss to not include people who maybe you're in this room or maybe you're watching online and maybe you haven't eaten from the lamb maybe you're on a journey where you feel like yo Chino I can't do any of those things because me myself I feel stuck I feel like I'm still in Egypt I feel like Egypt hasn't left me I don't know my calling I haven't been redeemed yo I still treat everybody the same way because of how the way that my dad treated me when I was a kid and I haven't been able to get out of this and Chino I want freedom I want Jesus. I want to take the first step. I want to eat of the lamb today. You don't have to worry until we set the spread next Sunday. You can eat from the lamb today. On a Passover Sunday, the lamb was shed and the lamb was slaughtered for you. So all over this place, would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes all over this place? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church, where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms at my.